this being the first series uh, that we are having, looking at regressions of genetically modified organisms. And uh, the, this series has two main objectives. The first one is to provide overview of the status of biosafety framework in Africa, as well as guidance um, and best practices. And secondly, we shall focus on, we shall discuss country experience on biosafety frameworks uh, for genetic, genetic biocontrol technologies, specifically genome editing uh, regression in Kenya. Uh, suffice to say that uh, this webinar today, we do have a variety of audience. We have a representative from the science community, that's the scientist. We also have communicators, the ministers, and also the policy makers. So on the agenda, uh, we are going to have two presentations. The first one will highlight the first objective of our, our meeting, which is the status on safety in Africa, guidance and best practices. And this will be done by Sande Akile. And then we'll have um, another presentation on country experience on biosafety regal frameworks for genetic biocontrol technologies and focusing on genome editing uh, regression in Kenya. So without taking much time, let me introduce Sande Akile, who is going to take us through the first presentation on the status of biosafety uh, framework in Africa. Uh, Mr. Sande Akile is a senior program officer at the African Union, Aude, Nepal. Um, he reads the policy and regulatory development process in biosafety for the countries on the continent, that's the African continent. Um, he's a seasoned legal practitioner with several successful court cases uh, to his name in his country, Uganda. Uh, before joining NEPAD, he was a member of the Ugandans uh, National Biosafety Committee for five years, sitting in the committee as a legal advisor. His contribution to the National Biosafety Committee was immense. Uh, this committee is known to have handled several CFTs applications, making Uganda the leading country in the sub-Saharan Africa to have conducted the highest number of CFTs in agriculture biotechnology. Um, Sunday has earned a bachelor degrees in law from Makelele University, Uganda, and a postgraduate diploma in legal practice of his country. He's also earned numerous awards in biosafety regulatory trainings, both from his country and abroad. He's very knowledgeable uh, in the legal and policy aspect of biosafety regression. So, Mr. Sander, you over to you. You will take us through the status of biosafety in Africa. Thank you. Uh -huh. Thank you very much. I think we are good to go uh, for that uh, elaborate introduction from the program uh, moderator. Um, I'm going to uh, present to you on the status of biosafety framework on the continent of Africa. And of course, uh, we'll then conclude with the best practices and guidance from our own perspective as uh, uh, 
uh, an agency tasked with the mandate to support African countries in uh, establishing regulatory frameworks on the continent. Discussion about uh, biosafety regulation on the continent really draws us back to the early days when the discussion for having a global framework uh, kicked off. Uh, you may recall, for those of you who, on, who have been around for, for some time, that before the global community uh, came up with the Convention on Biological Diversity, there was a buildup to us uh, having a, a global framework that could provide for uh, a, a blueprint uh, for the safe, uh, for conservation, for sustainable utilization, and also having access to benefit sharing. Now, regulation has been central to these discussions. And uh, you find that uh, very importantly, uh, because of the potential implications uh, uh, these technologies, uh, the GM technology uh, could have to the biodiversity and human health. So uh, basically this is the perceived unknown uh, that gives rise uh, to discussion about uh, having regulations. Uh, what motivates this is that uh, the convention has been part of it. The convention directs how the global community should move in regard to uh, applying these emerging tools of modern biotechnology. Also concerns around uh, consumer interests, uh, concerns around the biodiversity, concerns around trade. All these have been drivers towards uh, having a, a framework for, for biosafety regulation. Uh, that's the safe application of uh, the tools of modern biotechnology. Now you realize or notice that uh, in the midst of this conversation around biosafety regulation, there is a complexity of uh, regulatory guidelines stemming from other uh, organizations, global uh, multinational organizations that uh, also continue to play an important role. Uh, we talk, we, we will view World Health Organization uh, that plays a very important role in as far as setting a global order uh, in terms of in, uh, in the field of uh, medicine, human medicine. We'll uh, find that there are frameworks that exist under the, 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 the auspices of World Agriculture Organization all talk about a safe application of foods that are, are are made out of, uh, that have a bearing of uh, genetically engineered uh, materials. Uh, we'll find that the World Trade Organization and the conversations and instruments that come under the auspices of uh, WTO also do strongly provide for frameworks. Uh, International Animal Health Organization does so. Then our own organization, African Union in the early years also had its own model by safety law uh, for countries to member states to, to tap into as they, 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 they think about developing their own legal frameworks. We find that uh, uh, today uh, standard setting bodies also drive the regulatory framework. 
We have the Codex Alimentarius Commission that quite uh, regularly meet to discuss and provide for, for best practices, especially uh, providing for food standards, guidelines related to codes that are best practices for, for, for programming, especially for food. And this has worked in conjunction with World Health Organization in developing this. Also the Commission on Cytotanitary Measures have also endeavored to put in place frameworks. So in so saying, there are these superfluous kind of existing frameworks, even before we began talking about biosafety regulations and their conversation, finding that they point towards the, the safe application of modern biotechnology, the tools of modern biotechnology, so to say. And uh, we will realize for those of you who have read the Catena Protocol, that the preamble to the Catena Protocol did recognize uh, this superfluous existence of various frameworks, uh, which are all in a bid to create a global order. So in its preamble, it does observe that in so interpreting the Catena Protocol or in applying it, it should be applied in a manner that is mutually uh, supportive of all these existing frameworks so as to allow and harmonious interaction for all this. So uh, that is it. Now that launches me into uh, discussing with you deeper into what exactly do we talk about when we talk about regulatory frameworks. Now regulatory frameworks, this is a conversation that won consensus at the negotiation of the Katayana Protocol. Now, the Catena Protocol uh, is a key protocol that is under the auspices of Convention on Biological Diversity. It's, it's been specifically developed to provide framework for the safe application of the tools of modern biotechnology. Now, at the, at the discussion and its negotiation, the consensus that the global community at the negotiations had is that there should be a framework. And this framework, uh, has been seen at minimum to be built on some blocks where a country must have policy, a policy on biosafety or biotech, which could lead us to biosafety applications. Then there are, is bound to step up uh, in a national legislation. Then from a national legislation, you find there is also bound to be regulations uh, depending on specific or depending on the jurisdictions that may this may be applicable, there could also be provisional or municipal legislations. Then from there, you'll find guidelines or standard procedures, operating procedures that run in that hierarchy, meaning each layer here can influence the other, more specifically from the, from the top to the bottom, that each layer here influences the other. But more importantly, there are also policies, policies at the international level, the conversation that comes up at the platform of the Convention on Biological Diversity is basically articulating policy, okay, before it's developed into protocols or instruments. Then there are, is an international instrument or a series of international instruments which could be developed to deal with specific aspects. So you find in that hierarchy, we have global policies, we have international law, uh, international protocols, which then get domesticated in countries that move step further 
to domesticate them into their national legislations. Then from those legislations, you find regulations are developed to implement the legislation provisions. Then several other guidelines or standing operating procedures are also provided. Now, another important aspect of this building block is the administrative aspect. It's also called that there should be an administrative mechanism in place with the required capacities to provide evaluation of whatever applications that is presented. Now, administrative can be quite wide. You find it could be the biosafety office, uh, as we've learned. We are going to have a, a speaker from the Kenya uh, National Biosafety Agency who will be able to take you through this to give you an outlook of how this looks like. We'll have the National Biosafety Agency. With the National Biosafety Agency, we'll have other smaller organs, inspectors. We have biosafety officers. We'll have quite a number that a particular or a specific legislation for a country may provide. Now, these, in essence, all work towards implementing or seeing the best practice that is expected under international law or under the national legislation. So they have to work to complement each other. So that's the importance of administrative mechanism has to be placed as part and parcel of these building blocks. Now, coming to Africa, uh, you ask yourself, we ask ourselves, what are the drivers to biosafety regulation on the continent of Africa? We are a continent, a block of 55 nations. Uh, that those are countries that have been uh, have, have their jurisdictions recognized, so to say, 55 member states. Now, Africa is being, uh, most cases, I should say, to be sound diplomatic, that we have a, a, an organization, an intergovernmental organization, which is the African Union. And the African Union has other organs, like one where I, I belong to, which is the African Union Development Agency, which is uh, mandated to provide the technical interface to this kind of uh, uh, developments that are happening on the continent. So Africa over the years have also had its intense conversation uh, in follow-up of what happens in the global scene in regard to uh, adoption of modern biotechnology. Now, you may recall that we as a continent is a continent that has had challenges in generally most of the sectors. You may mention health, you mention agriculture, you may in many other areas where biosciences have offered solutions too. So uh, in the decades behind us, uh, the conversation on the continent by the policymakers has been to transform Africa and agriculture being one other big sector that attracts or employs a huge uh, members of the, of the African public. Uh, agriculture has been properly analyzed to find out the challenges that the sector faces. Sectors such as the vagaries of drought, pests and diseases, and many more. So in a bid to step up this productivity, conversation and the corridors of, uh, of the organization of course, that brings together heads of states and governments, the Council of Ministers. Their position has been consistent 
to see that uh, Africa adopts technologies that will spur the productive sector in agriculture. Meaning if we increase the agriculture productivity, we are bound to, to raise up the others, other areas. We are bound to create employment. We are bound to improve our GDPs as countries. We are bound to, to, to create employment for the youths, which is the vast majority. So conversation around Africa has led to the adoption of policy positions. And one key such policy position is the, uh, the development agenda, that is Agenda 2063, the Africa we want. It is as a lifespan of 50 years that started from 2013 up to 2063, the Africa we want in its aspirations calls for an Africa that is envisaged to be based on inclusive growth and sustainable development. Africa will amongst be amongst the best performers in global quality of life. This is aspiration one. This will be attained through increasing agricultural production, investments in science, technology, and research and innovation. It makes a further call in aspiration 13 that Africa's agriculture will be modern, productive using science, technology, and innovation. So when you read through all the 13 aspirations of Agenda 263, you will find that science, technology, innovation, and research is placed at the epicenter of Africa's socioeconomic transformation. So you find that that alone is, as a policy position, is the driver towards having a safe application of the tools of modern biotechnology. Mm -hmm.